right, welcome back to another edition of the Fat Boys Dynasty podcast presented by the Fantasy Holics. Uh, today we're recording a little bit early. Um, we're not going to put it out. We'll put it out on Tuesday because one of these fat boys is going to go be a beach whale down in Florida for a week. So he will not be here uh, Tuesday and he's going to be on a family vacation. So we wanted to make sure we got an episode out to you guys. Um, so let's get right into this. We're going to discuss the AFC North today, correct? Brian, I did, I, did, I did want to clarify that I am taking a family vacation to Alabama. And you know what people do with their family in Alabama? Oh, dear Lord, I hope you're not doing that with your family. They have, they, they have fun and they relax and they come back stress-free. That's what they do with their families in Alabama. In Alabama. Okay, I'm glad we that... We are doing the NFC, the AFC <laughs> North, you are correct. That's not you where I thought you were going to go correct. with the Alabama thing here, but uh, good for you. Um, I'm proud of you for not going the way I thought you were. Um, let's jump straight in. Let's. Uh, good Christian show over here. Yeah. <laughs> let's jump straight in. Let's. Uh, I'll let you get to your team first. Get to one of your teams there first. Uh, well, we might as well go uh, with the best first, like we did uh, last week on the uh, NFC South episode. Uh, let's let's jump straight into uh, the uh, AFC champions, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so obviously, first we're going to start with our stud, right? And the stud for me is 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 very simple. It's one that um, a lot of people have have uh, had high hopes for lots of years and lots of times been let down by or maybe not been as happy with as well as he produced. Um, but I was talking about Joe Mixon, and, and Brant, this is one that I know um, that you that you hold near and dear. Obviously, he was your first running back that you took, or your second running back that you took uh, in our Dynasty startup three years ago. Uh, this is a guy that you've uh, traded for in leagues. This is a guy that, you, you know, you just genuinely like owning and I think actually this year most people are going to be significantly more happy with him than what they've been in the past I mean last year he finished as the the PPR4 running back okay so he he had a great year last year with Joey B uh, and that was with Tyler Boyd that was with uh, Jamar Chase that was with uh, T Higgins so nothing really has changed there in the uh, pass catching regard and realistically last year he did this with only 48 targets uh, I expect his targets to go up a little bit this year. Um, you know, he's only had 55 once in his career, and that was back in 2018, his second year in the league. Uh, but I do expect Joe Mixon to have, you know, maybe closer to the 60-ish number targets this year. So I would be very, very uh, pleasantly uh, shocked if he doesn't have a career high in targets this year. Uh, but last year he ran the ball 292 times for 1,205 yards, 4.13 yards uh, per carry and 13 touchdowns. So the touchdowns was a career high for him, which definitely helped him. But what did the what did the Cincinnati Bengals do this year, Brant? That a lot of people were calling for them to do last year in the draft. They did the one thing that Seattle apparently refuses to do, and they upgraded their offensive line drastically. That, that is true. They 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 upgraded that offensive line again. Mixon's still only 25 years of age. The, the pass catching game and the and the passing game period in Cincinnati is strong enough that people aren't going to be able to load the box even in that AFC North division with defenses such as the Ravens, the Browns, and the Steelers that are not going to have to be able to just stack the box and stop Joe Mixon 
uh, I, I would have to imagine uh, opposing defensive coordinators, their first goal is going to be to slow down that wicked passing attack of the Cincinnati Bengals. And in my mind, Joe Mixon benefits the most from that. And currently in ADPs, as of right now, where we say he's he's the first player taken off the board in the second round. So, you know, that, that, that has him going after guys like Cooper Cup, Jamar Je- uh, Chase, Justin Jefferson, and then all your bell cow running backs like, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, um, Najee Harris, things of that. And, and so, uh, you know, if I'm sitting at the, at the first pick in the second round and maybe in that first round I was the guy who took Travis Kelsey, right? Or maybe I got that wide receiver who slid to the 10 or the 12, whatever it was that ends my uh, my my first round there. And I've got that spin pick or the second pick and Joe Mixon sitting there on the board and I can either have Joe Mixon as my number two running back or as potentially my one to pair with one of those, uh, you know, bona fide stud wide receivers slash tight ends. I'm not hesitating on Joe Mixon there. Joe Mixon's my stud. Uh, let's go ahead. Well, hang go on. Ahead. I want to I want to chime in just a little bit on that. Absolutely, with with the Joe Mixon. The one thing is 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 Joe Burrow was was on was had an amazing passing season last year. That's going to have to. I, in my mind, I feel like that's going to regress, and they're going to have to lean on that rushing game a little bit more because they're they're not going to be able to score as much. I don't think they will. The Ravens' defense, as you alluded to, they're going to get better because of everyone getting healthy. So I think they're going to want to lean more on that run game this year. So maybe his forty-five. What did you say? Forty-five uh, receptions last year. Uh, Forty-eight targets. Forty-eight targets. I think that might actually come back down just a little bit because I think they're going to be able to spread the ball out a little bit more with their wideouts. But I definitely see his rushing going up, and um, I, I feel like, and once again, they showed last year that he definitely is one of the guys that they trust the most out there on the goal line too. And I, I think that state his touchdowns are going to stay about the same. So I absolutely love him as your stud there. Okay. Um, yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, again, it's uh, the biggest reason he's my stud is for no other reason other than the fact that he did it last year and the offensive line got an upgrade. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe the passing numbers don't go up the way I think they will. I do still believe he's going to have a career high in targets this year uh, just solely because, because I think that offense is going to have to take another step forward to replicate what they did last year. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, so my sleeper or my, my breakout for this team, not my sleeper, my breakout is uh, a guy that I think people are starting to forget about maybe a little bit. Uh, and that's uh, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd's going into his seventh season uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, he's been there his whole career. Um, he, he's typically been healthy most of it. And the last four years, he's had finishes of 16th in PPR, 18th, 29th, and 31st. So, yes, he's slowly starting to drop a little bit. All right. But right now, he's being taken as the 147th player off the board. And when you put into comparison, um, you know, where he finished has finished uh, consistently in his career uh, with where he's going off the board. Uh, it's, it's kind of uh, uh, not, not justice in my opinion. Um, you know, this is, this is a guy that even last year with uh, Jamar Chase and T Higgins was still able to put up respectable numbers. Again, he, he finished as the wide receiver 31 um, in uh, PPR formats. And if I can get that in, you know, the 12th round about where his ADP is going right now, I I don't think anybody could be, you know, slightly disappointed in that. Um, He's, he's going right now in the range of like the wide receiver 48. 
um, in dynasty startups behind guys like Calvin Ridley, who's not even going to play this year. Uh, so again, last year, Tyler Boyd, uh, 94 targets, 67 receptions, 828 yards, uh, 12.36 yards per catch uh, to go along with five touchdowns. So again, not it's not like this is these numbers are super touchdown dependent, uh, and it's just all we hear when we talk about Cincinnati, really even excluding Mixon, is Jamar Chase, uh, uh, T. Higgins, and Joe Burrow. Absolutely, and, and like you just alluded to uh, easily, the. The, the the focus point are those three guys. So I mean, Tyler Boyd is is, is kind of just like a, a, a just a guy out there running running probably going to be most of the time wide open because that focal point is on Jamar Chase and T Higgins and, and Joe Mixon. So I mean, really, that's 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 in the fourteenth round. That is a definite dart throw that I'm willing to take. And every year it seems he's paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, my sleeper pick for the Cincinnati Bengals is one of the newest additions to that pass-catching uh, regime, and that is uh, tight end Hayden Hurst. Uh, you know, last year there was a point in time, uh, not last year, but the year before, uh, when Hayden Hurst was the guy in Atlanta where, you know, week 10-ish, um, he was the tight end five in PPR formats. Uh, for a decent amount of time. I mean, you know, he, in that stretch, he was hanging up, you know, points of, of 18.2, 15.7, 12.8, 10.4, 13.2. And then he kind of regressed for several weeks, and then he finished really strong when he was still the guy. Then then Kyle Pitts comes to town, obviously, and, and we know where that, that kind of took off. But this is a, a guy that, uh, if, if you remember how he played in 2020, it was caught the ball a lot of yards after catch, very similar in style to that of George Kittle. Again, this is no way, shape, or form saying Hayden Hurst is the next George Kittle. It's no way, not that at all. Okay, but if Hayden Hurst happens to be a guy that finds trust uh, from Joe Burrow and is able to, uh, you know, carve out a role for himself in that offense, this is a, a guy that we could see doing uh, some pretty exceptional things. And, and again, remember last year, uh, CJ. Uzma, who left and went to the uh, New York Jets, had some games where there was weeks where he was a top five tight end. I, I, I believe there was some weeks where he might have been tight end one. Uh, you know, he had he had a week uh, four against Jacksonville in that offense last year where he went for over 25 points. He went for 24 points against Baltimore, uh, which is a pretty tough defense there in week, uh, week seven last year, too. So, uh, when Joe Burrow does get the ball going to his tight end position, these guys can have great weeks. So, uh, and Hayden Hurst, uh, right now, his ADP is around 197 overall. So, uh, with with 197 in a in a 12 man league, you're you're looking at you know Hayden Hurst being drafted somewhere in, in the mid 16th round. Um, so if tight end's a position you want to punt on, you know, you're not willing to spend that draft capital on a Travis Kelsey, a Kyle Pitts, uh, or even the next tier of guys, you know, the TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant range. Uh, maybe Hayden Hurst is a guy you look to add late in your draft. Um, and the upside could be pretty pretty special there. Again, it's, it all depends on, on where that ball goes 
uh, in Cincinnati, and obviously that pecking order is going to be something along the lines of Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, then maybe Hayden Hurst, maybe Hayden Hurst slots in there above Joe Mixon. We'll see, but again, that passing offense was was pretty potent last year, uh, and so if I can get a chance to get a piece of that pass-catching game, especially in the 16th round, uh, it's it's definitely something I'm, I'm willing to uh, look into. All right, so I've been hyping up the pass catcher, pass catchers in Cincinnati. So it'd be only fitting if my dud was none other than the guy throwing the ball <laughs> in Cincinnati. For some reason uh, I knew that's again, where we're going to go with that. <laughs> and again, it's it's got less to do with the fact that I think Joe Burrow is going to be a stud uh, more so than I do a dud. It's got everything to do with where his eighty uh, his current ADP is, uh, and right now it's it's thirty three. So you know. Uh, tail uh, tail end or, or middle tail end of, of the uh, third round there. He's coming off the board as the fourth quarterback off the board. And those are just lofty expectations. You know, uh, the quarterback position is one that we've seen in years past where, um, you know, a guy gets drafted, you know, early, we, you know, Brant, you and I have kind of always been on the same philosophy. Uh, I'm going to wait a little bit, especially in redrafts. I don't like drafting a quarterback early, but you know, in dynasty that kind of takes, uh, it takes a, a higher precedent. Uh, you, you want that uh, young quarterback, that young stud quarterback in the door a little earlier because then it's a position you don't have to worry about for, for quite a while. And, you know, uh, he's got guys like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, all being drafted after him. Uh, and again, in a dynasty league, uh, I don't think you'd ever be upset with having Joe Burrow as your quarterback. Uh, I know I talked to somebody the other day that owns Joe Burrow in a dynasty league. He also owns Jalen Hurts, who uh, who tried to convince me that yeah, Jalen Hurts may be a starting quarterback next year. Uh, so if you have the luxury of having both, you may you may be able to you know fade Joe Burrow every once in a while, or uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, look at alternative options, but you know if you're if you're sitting at a roster and, and, and Joe Burrow's your guy, and you've got you know maybe a Kirk Cousins or a Derek Carr as your as your second option, it's probably Joe Burrow and, and set it and forget it, right? But uh, doing a dynasty startup, I I love Joe Burrow. I just don't love Joe Burrow in the third round mm-hmm. where I'm I'm getting you know players the, the the caliber of players that you're getting around Joe Burrow is uh you know t higgins the guy he he throws the ball to aaron jones jk dobbins uh george kittle saquon barkley cam Akers. those are all guys going uh in the same same neck of the woods of of joe burrow and i i just for me uh think that there's a solid chance joe burrow doesn't have as amazing years he did last year i think joe burrow's still going to be a top 10 quarterback obviously we talked about this on on the quarterback ranking episode a few uh, a few weeks back now uh but i, I just think that uh, the draft capital is a little high for me and uh, i did i absolutely did take the easy way out here taking a guy that's that's number four at his position uh to be my dud because let's be honest i'm fat and sometimes fat people take the easy way out of things <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Now, now, mind you guys, we are doing our ADPs off a of sleeper, uh, like we already said, uh, alluded to in our last episode. This is a single QB uh, ADPs. Correct. Uh, we do want to make sure we Correct. get that out there because Joe Burrow in the fourth round in a in a super flex, you're you're smashing your I'm, button. You're probably yeah. breaking your computer. <laughs> I'm licking my chops. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So in, in I just super flex. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but yeah, Bur- uh, I, I think I know that guy you talked to about the uh, uh, Jalen Hurts and uh, um, Joe Burrow thing. Oh wait, that's me. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know him more intimately than most. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, 
it's it's really you know taking it. What's funny is 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 this is gonna roll me right into mine. Um, you talk about him being the dud. So I, I got Baltimore, and uh, you already alluded to this. And unfortunately, I'm gonna roll right into this. And and it literally in my notes I wrote down. Unfortunately, here I have to put running back slash quarterback Lamar Jackson as my stud because really in the Baltimore offense there's not a whole lot of people that excite me as as a stud well we know with Lamar Jackson in 12 games last year he finished as a QB 15 um you know you're going to get the money with his uh with his legs um hopefully hopefully he figures it out with his arm um because that team could definitely be um a very big threat in the NFL and in fantasy if he figures out his arm here and 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 a lot have to do with a lot of my studs and duds and sleepers all have to do with that but yeah at my stud I got Lamar Jackson he's a third round draft pick but he's being drafted after Joe Burrow but you and me both have preached we both talk and we don't we don't like drafting a QB early um but uh when it comes down to it um Lamar's one of those guys that if you are sitting there at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, and there's not a whole lot. Now, you alluded to a lot of names that I would rather have over him. T. Higgins, Aaron Jones. There's a few other names around that area. I'm picking those guys. I love to fill my position first. But Lamar Jackson's a guy that, that if you're sitting there, there's nothing that excites you. This guy's going to get you the points. There's nothing. There's there, He's not going to run the ball. Like, it, it, we literally call him a running back for a reason because he's probably going to lead right. his team in rushing for at least the next two to three Good years. Chance. Or chance. yeah, so I mean, there, there's not a whole lot to say about Lamar Jackson there. So yeah. uh, you know, the one the one thing I want to add, Brant, is you know we do here on the Fat Boys Dynasty podcast do an awful lot of hating uh, on Lamar Jackson, and I think sometimes you and I both get a little carried away with it, and it's not so much hating on Lamar Jackson the player as it is Lamar Jackson the facilitator of other players around him, right? So Lamar Jackson's definitely a guy that if you own him uh, in in a in a league and you own no other options in Baltimore, you don't own Mark Andrews, you don't own Rashad Bateman, you don't own J.K. Dobbins, you know you own nothing else there. You're going to be very very happy. You're going to think that Baltimore offense is just amazing, right? But the problem then it becomes when you don't own Lamar Jackson and you own one of those other guys uh, that I just mentioned. And it's a very frustrating thing to watch Lamar Jackson drop by, take his three step drop back and then just immediately run up the middle of the offensive line. Uh, you know, uh, so I think uh, just to put it into context, it's not that we hate uh, Lamar Jackson as a player himself. We don't like Lamar Jackson for other fantasy relevant players around him. Uh, and I think that also shows that maybe we're willing to overlook it a little bit with how high we had uh, Mark Andrews listed on the tight end rankings. Um, so not to steal uh, your thunder at all right there. Love the take on Lamar Jackson. Couldn't agree with it anymore. Just simply stating it's not Lamar Jackson himself or what he does for the fantasy world. It's what he doesn't do for the other players in the fantasy world. Absolutely. And what's funny is you talked about in Cincy, you're, you're – um your sleepers and, and studs and everything were the pass catchers for for Joe Burrow. Then Joe Burrow was your dud. Well, my stud's Lamar Jackson, and uh, my dud is uh, none other than one of his pass catchers in Mark Andrews. Um, okay. Going as the tight end number two off the board. He's 26 years old. In the second round, I'm not looking at a tight end, and I just I don't see how – 
he's going to be the extreme focal point of that offense now outside of Lamar Jackson's legs. Sure. He's going to see the, the safeties are going to creep down into the box, the linebackers, he's going to see double coverage. I don't see how Mark Andrews repeats year after year after year as the tight end number one or tight end number two. Um, I definitely think he's, you know, up there in probably the top five, but he's one of those guys that he scares me, and that's why I have him as a dud. Like, with with the young receiving core and everybody coming back and Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, you get Bateman for a full year, and then you got, you know, excuse me, you got Duvernay out there, which I'll talk about here in a minute. Drafting Mark Andrews in the second round is just, he kind of scares me because are you going to see the consistency with him? Last year, really, him and Hollywood Brown were the only two things out there. Hollywood's gone. There's 145 vacated targets that we've alluded to quite a bit. But I just don't see how Mark Andrews is is, is safe like, like your uh, Travis Kelsey is safe, your Kyle Pitts is safe. You know that Kyle Pitts is going to see those targets in Atlanta. You know Kelsey's going to feast on targets from Patrick Mahomes. Mark Andrews just doesn't feel safe to me. And like I said, by the end of the year, yes, he'll probably be a top five, top three tight end. But I think his numbers are going to fluctuate week to week. And I I think this is the year at 26, I think this is the year that we might start seeing that a little bit more of the up and down in the numbers. And, and again, you, you kind of took the easy way out here, similarly to the where I did with uh, with Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, Mark Andrews is being taken as the second tight end off the board in dynasty formats over Travis Kelsey, mind you. Okay, Kyle Pitts is going as the one, then Mark yeah. Andrews, then Travis Kelsey. So, you know, it, by ADP again, this is one that is it's very easy to say. Yeah, I think this guy's still going to perform well but he's going to be a dud based on where his ADP sits. And I can't say that the three letters ADP enough average draft position. It's not, again, it's not to say that you think Mark Andrews is a dud because again, I believe you had him as your tight end two or three or, or somewhere in that neighborhood. Absolutely. When we did these rankings. So, you know, again, this is not to say that Mark Andrews is a bum by any stretch of the imagination. It's just based on that ADP. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to roll into, um, I'm going to roll into my breakout player, and you probably know exactly who it is. It's a guy that I've watched for um, – I watched him in college. I drafted him very early in our in our dynasty uh, rookie draft last year. That's Rashard Bateman. He's coming into his second year. He's getting Lamar Jackson. I know, gross. We talk about that all the time. But he's getting to see in a whole offseason with Lamar Jackson. If you remember, he suffered a little injury during the, the offseason last year, missed some time, missed all of preseason. I think they missed the first couple weeks of the season. But um, he gets that full offseason. Um, and when he did come back, I have this up here right now, when he did come back in week six, he saw, let's see, where was it, six targets or more for five straight weeks. Um, with Lamar Jackson, that's when I believe Lamar Lamar started to get hurt. I could be wrong on his on his games missed. But this was the guy as the wide receiver, too. He's stepping into the wide receiver one role where there's 145 targets. If you watch his route tree, his hands, everything else, everything points to the sky with this guy. The only downfall to him is Lamar Jackson. So that's why I'm praying that Lamar finds his arm this year because I have invested in Rashard Bateman. I absolutely love Rashard Bateman, and and I really think that this is his breakout year. And I mean, being being so yeah. young, he's um, what did I have in uh, he's 22 years old going into the season. Right. So and he's a 
uh, where do I have it written down? He's a six-round ADP wide receiver. He's going 38th. So you're telling me a wide receiver one on the Baltimore Ravens is only going 10 spots higher than – because I believe you had – Tyler Boyd, you said, was 48th, correct? He's, uh, he's somewhere in that yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. So you're telling me a wide receiver one is going only 10 spots in front of a wide receiver three on a team that it really the what the fourth pass catching option in, in Cincy, this guy's the best option and he's and there's like I said 145 vacated targets. A lot of them are gonna be coming to this guy. No, okay, you are still there. I thought I thought we had a little freeze there. Yeah, you no, you were no, sitting no, there reading. There's there's about actually about twenty two wide receivers being okay. drafted between the two of those. So it's not as bad as I as I had alluded to. That was just my quick math on uh uh, gotcha. Tyler Boyd, Boyd there. He's actually closer to the 54th wide receiver coming off the board. Uh, but, Brant, I want to ask real quick. i got a couple things to say about Rashad Bateman. But first, got to ask, how does it feel to put your money where your mouth is for a change instead of your food where your mouth is? Because a guy who is willing to put Rashad Bateman as his breakout, is willing to draft him, and is willing to stand on him as much as you have, that I would consider that putting your money where your mouth is. I'm just curious how it feels you know, fat boys. I'll tell you money, what, money, money, money doesn't taste as good as food. I can tell you that right now. Sure. Money, money tastes. Money does buy food. It does. Uh, money tastes a little greasy, sure. and it ain't the good grease. It's normally that finger. <laughs> sure. Uh, the one thing I, w- I do want to say about Rashad Bateman that is is also a small knock. It's not as big as Lamar Jackson is, obviously, but he doesn't really have that uh, separation speed. If you think back to what he did in in Minnesota, he was a guy who went up and made contested catches. He did that a little bit last year. Uh, in some of those games where he looked pretty good. He makes contested catches. And uh, I, I do see that as somebody that Lamar Jackson's going to be able to develop trust with because, uh, you know, not often do we see Mark, or, uh, Mark Andrews. Maybe that'd be better if it was Mark Andrews. Not often do we see Lamar Jackson just heave the ball down the field and say, we'll see who comes down with it. But what he does do is he throows the ball over the middle of the field quite often. That tend tends to be where his eyes divert too quickly. Uh, when he's doing his progressions. And so if he trusts Rashad Bateman to go up and get a ball that's a 50-50 ball between him and a corner or him and a safety, and Rashad Bateman's coming down with more of those than he's not, that's somebody that Lamar Jackson's going to uh, easily be able to uh, build uh, rapport with and, and continue a, a, a productive fantasy relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so that brings me to my sleeper, which is funny. It's another pass catcher there in Baltimore, uh, Devin Duvernay. This guy here, he's been he's been in, he's been on the team for three years. He's an 18th round ADP wide receiver. This guy right here could see you could see him fill into that um, Hollywood Brown deep ball role um, coming into this year. Now I'm not going to tell you this guy's going to be a possession wide receiver, seeing 10 to 12 targets a game or anything like that. This guy in the 18th round at the end of your draft on your free agent list. This guy's a guy I'm willing to toss a dart out because, like I said, he could be that burner. In in uh, in Baltimore this year, and we do know Lamar Jackson will heave the ball down there, and it kind of works for Baltimore too, having a deep threat due to the fact that Lamar runs so much, and Dobbins will be running, and Edwards will be running, and the short over the middle routes with Bateman and Andrews. I absolutely love Duvernay to be my uh, my sleeper on this team, and this guy this guy has worked from special teams all the way into possibly being the wide receiver too, unless they decide to add something prior to the season. But Duvernay right now, in my mind, is your wide receiver two on that team. Can, can Lamar Jackson substantiate a wide receiver one and a tight end and a wide receiver two? Is that is that in the realm of possibility? Absolutely not. I'm going to assume Duvernay will be a flex two start. 
and sure, and, and a matchup based with some slow corners. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You know, Eli uh, Apple twice a year. Hey, hey, Eli Apple. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, stay away from that. One. <laughs> we'll let uh, we'll let old Seth take his uh, take his talking about Eli Apple because again, Seth knows more about guys like Eli Apple than I do. I just know Eli a- Apple tra- talks a lot of trash and doesn't back it up a whole lot. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Let's move right on into uh, uh, a team that's mm. uh, out of all of them has had the most. Uh, this is one of the, uh, this is one of I my favorites to off, talk about. Yeah, the off season, uh, uh, you know, question marks. I guess if you will, you know, uh, that quarterback position is is one that's uh, more intriguing going into this off season. You know, uh, how big of a chance is, is Mitch Trubisky going to be given? Um, we know Mitch Trubisky when he's there is is a guy, or in the past has been a guy. Uh, who can substantiate some wide receivers putting up numbers. I mean, Allen Robinson had some good years there in Chicago uh, with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, or is it going to be rook, the rookie Kyle or Kenny Pickett, who we really don't know a whole lot about uh, how his game is going to translate. You know, he's got the small hands, which was an issue. Uh, and, you know, one good rule when it comes to a quarterback is you can't trust guys who wear two gloves. Uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater has been okay at times, but he's never been a great fantasy asset uh, or a great NFL quarterback. But, uh you know, we'll, we'll move, move move right on along and, and leave uh, uh, old Kenny Two Gloves alone here. Uh, let's go right into the stud here, and, and this is one uh, that I don't think there's a whole lot of debate on. Um, when you talk about uh, uh, Pittsburgh, it's Najee Harris. You know, uh, Najee Harris last year as a rookie was an absolute bell cow, 300-plus carries, uh, got involved in the pass-catching game, was on the field for 95% of the, the plays, uh, and Pittsburgh needed him to be because, again, we had uh, Ben Roethlisberger who uh, I don't need to tarnish his legacy or what he was, once was because he did it himself by sticking it out too long. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, uh, Pittsburgh fans may be ready to jump down my throat here because uh, Pittsburgh's a very storied franchise and a very uh, uh, rich in tradition franchise. And uh, I would think uh, most of them are, are happy to see uh, Big Ben finally step away and, and you know, turn the reins over. Uh, but Najee Harris, nonetheless, um, if, if either Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett come in and get the pass game moving at all, uh, Najee Harris is going to reap rewards from that because, again, similarly to what we said with the Bengals, as teams can't stack the box against them, so Mixon should have, um, you know, free free uh, lanes to run. Najee's quite the opposite, right? If I'm coming into Pittsburgh and I'm the defensive coordinator and I'm game planning a scheme against them, it's anybody beat me other than Najee Harris, and that was what it was last year too, and Najee still found a way to do it. Um Najee's right now he's coming off the board as you know your sixth seventh pick uh in the first round again in a dynasty startup single quarterback league I'm taking Najee Harris 102 if I have the second overall pick and Jonathan Taylor goes one um so this is a guy that I'm extremely comfortable with there um you know uh Najee is um one of those guys that when he come out, you know, it was it was very obvious to everybody but me. Uh, even though I did draft him at the 102 in our league, that he was the he was the best running back. I did have those uh, back and forth moments that you can remember with uh, between him and Travis Etienne, and we, we never got to see what Travis Etienne looks 
uh, like so maybe I'm maybe I'm not 100% wrong but again I did draft Najee so uh, and I've gotten him uh, stakes and uh, several shares of him elsewhere as well so uh, you know I, I just think that Najee is the most for sure guaranteed thing in Pittsburgh so he's the stud for that reason absolutely um, and, and they, they talk about they talk about limiting his workload that's going to be maybe maybe 20 total touches less I don't see them limiting Najee's workload as much as people are making it out to be he's 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 a bona fide stud there's there's no way you take that man off the field unless he's hurt and knock on wood we don't we hope we never have to deal with that I mean you're a rookie and you finished the third running back in PPR and let's see he had a total of 300 rushing attempts you may see that go down to 275 he had 94 targets you may see that go down to 75 targets but you just alluded to it. If if they get any type of this passing game going, he's going to reap some rewards for that because his sure. his targets are going to move. His targets are going to be better than they were, sure. you know, when he was the only guy doing really anything there. Sure. So yeah, yeah, sure. you can't yeah. go wrong with him. And, and you know, we've heard all off season that you know he's going to take a step back, but then Mike Tomlin's still coming out saying he's going to have to be a bell cow. So who, who really knows what that <laughs> step back's going to look like? It's going to be ninety four percent of snaps instead of ninety five. You know, right? Um, but let's move right along into my bust here because this is or my my dud here because this is one that I think um, might be semi confrontational to some, and that's Deontay Johnson. Uh, Deontay Johnson's currently being drafted as the 37th overall pick in a, in a 12-man startup. He's the 13th wide receiver coming off the board. And let me explain to you, Brant, why why I think this is uh, one that I'm willing to fade. Okay, the last two years since – in his rookie year, he finished as the 41st overall uh, uh, wide receiver with only 92 targets, okay? Then we get into the unrealistic uh, – expect or unre- realistic target share that he's gotten since which was in 2020 144 targets for only 88 receptions okay that's not a good rate uh and then last year it was slightly better he had 169 targets for 107 receptions um i i just don't think those target the target share is going to be what it is i mean pittsburgh added what george pickens um Calvin Austin, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I know Juju left, uh, but Pat Fearmuth did it, it, it uh, develop and, and kind of carve out a bigger role towards the end of the year last year. Uh, you got Chase Claypool, who uh, now that Juju's gone and Juju's going to be doing TikToks uh, with Jackson Mahomes, uh, maybe maybe Chase Claypool, your former uh, fighting Irish player there, uh, will do what I think he's going to do and take that next step forward. And I think, uh, again, a lot of these things are going to come – uh, in Pittsburgh from Deontay Johnson losing targets because they've got to be, they've got to be more spread out. Right. I mean, Deontay Johnson has been the biggest beneficiary of big Ben. Uh, and I just think that again, as the 13th wide receiver off the board, um, there's, there's plenty of other names I'd rather have. Uh, Terry McLaurin, scary Terry's being drafted after him. Give me scary Terry. Drake London's being drafted after him. Give me Drake London, Michael Pittman. Give me Michael mm. Pittman, Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy. These are all guys going after Deontay Johnson right now, based on ADP, and I'd take every single one of them over him. I'm, I'm not. I'm not comfortable taking really any um, Pittsburgh pass catchers outside of Najee early in early in the draft. I'm fading a lot of them because you are coming into a system with two new quarterbacks. We're not sure which one's going to be a starter. We saw Big Ben love Johnson. 
who says that's the same with the two new ones? You know Trubisky can launch the ball. Is it going to be accurate? Will he be able to do it? You know, in Pittsburgh. But, you know, Claypool's a deeper, deep ball threat, a better deep ball threat than Johnson. And George Pickens, I mean, you look at his college tape, and had he stayed out of trouble, this man uh, this man could end up being the one. out of trouble and doesn't get hurt. Yeah, this man could end up being the one on that team. Because there, there's there's really no one no one that is a solidified one on that team right now with new quarterbacks coming in. Yeah. Um, so let's let's just stay right there because I'm going to finish the rest of Pittsburgh with pass catchers. Okay. Uh, so let's go to my breakout, which is none other than Chase Claypool, who's going into his third season. Love it. Um, and and this is my, this is my breakout, but it's really kind of hard to put him as a breakout because he broke out as a rookie. And then kind of fell off a little bit last year. You know, uh, there there was um, uh, a lot of hype for Chase Claypool when he got drafted. You know, he was a tight end at Notre Dame. Grant, you know that better than a lot because you followed Notre Dame. Uh, got drafted and Pittsburgh immediately said, no, 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 you're going out. You're lining outside as a wide receiver. Uh, and last year he still had 105 targets. He just only managed 59 receptions for 860 yards and two touchdowns. He had a seven-touchdown regression between his, his rookie year and his second year in the NFL. If he averages that back out and gets to not even the nine that he had his, his rookie year, but let's say he gets to six or seven, um, you're going to see him being a top 36 tight end again, or top 36 wide receiver again. And right now, Chase Claypool is, is going at the 102nd pick overall behind his rookie teammate, George Pickens, which, again, uh, I get the height for George Pickens, but I'm not putting George Pickens over mm-hmm. a guy going into his third year that's already done it in the NFL, okay? Because we have no idea what George Pickens' NFL career is going to look like, but we do already have a small sample size of, of Chase Claypool. I'm taking Chase Claypool here um, over um, George Pickens for sure. And there's there's some names. Uh, Jahan Dotson's right there. Gabe Davis. Okay, uh, yeah, I know Gabe Davis had a four-touchdown performance in the playoffs, but what did he do aside from that? Okay, um, so I, I think I just think Chase Claypool, if if he can get himself focused on the field more than he is his TikTok shares uh, and his Twitter and Instagram beefs, I think this is a guy that you could see. Pittsburgh doesn't miss on wide receivers often. More often than not, they draft the wide receiver uh, in the current regime that they have, which uh, the GM's stepping down now, so that may be uh, we throw that out the window, but not with Chase Claypool. Okay, Chase Claypool and George Pickens and, and Calvin Austin, these guys were drafted under the same regime that mm-hmm. has produced the guys like An- Antonio Brown and, you know, Mike Wallace and, and all those names that have been drafted that have been hits. Um, so let me talk about my sleeper here. And I j- did just allude to the fact that um, – my, my my the rest of my picks on this team were going to come from the wide receiver position. Okay, and it's Calvin Austin, the rookie wide receiver coming out of Memphis. Currently, this guy's being drafted as uh, the 232nd player uh, off the board. <laughs> so in 12-man leagues, if you only have a, if you have a short bench, he's not being drafted. Um, but Calvin Austin is a guy that um, um, Sauce Gardner, the number one cornerback. Uh, drafted in this year's draft class was asked who the toughest guy he covered uh, in college football was and his answer it was very quick he didn't have to think about it long he didn't he didn't you know banter back and forth going well maybe it was this guy maybe it was that guy it was none other than Calvin Austin Um, and Calvin Austin is a guy that again is is his draft stock isn't high okay but 
George Pickens does have that injury. I don't know if he's going to be ready to go week one. I'm not sure. But Calvin Austin's the guy that if he comes in and he, he puts in that work in the training camp and he builds that rapport with whichever quarterback is going to be the starting quarterback, uh, this guy is a guy that, that could very well see a similar role to like a Debo Samuel-esque role on his respective team. Uh, and last year at Memphis, he had 74 receptions for 1,149 yards, averaging 15.5 yards per catch, eight touchdowns. So this is a guy that when he when he gets the ball in his hands, he makes people miss. He picks up those first down yardage. It's, it's just a guy that, uh, again, if, if somebody can take control of that quarterback situation and, uh, you know, put up some kind of numbers – and if Calvin Austin finds himself on the field, this is a guy that that late, so in, in super late deep leagues, it's a guy that I'm taking shots on when other people are picking up defenses and kickers, or uh, you know maybe I'm in a I'm in a rookie draft that's got four rounds in it. Uh, this is a guy that I just I don't see myself letting him go undrafted in situations like that. However, in short leagues, this is a guy that I'm going to maybe uh, hit that watch button on. Uh, maybe I'll watch the first couple of Pittsburgh games, see what his usage looks like. You know, if he's not on the field, if he's on the field for less than like 20% of the snaps, then maybe he's not worth rostering <laughs> at this point. Uh, but if he's a guy that, you know, like I said, if, if uh, you know, uh, maybe he becomes that juju role, maybe he fits right into that slot uh, uh, spot and it, right off the bat, you have instant success. So I, I, I just think that uh, the Pittsburgh wide receivers are uh, are very interesting this year, with the exception of how early Deontay Johnson's being taken. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really all it is. Is 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 it, the the pass catchers there? Uh, the later ones, I'm more comfortable taking. And and I mean, you you, you just hit on that. Um, so we're gonna move on to the last team, and this was um, I picked Cleveland trying to be. Uh, Hey, I, I do have to clarify, Brant, because uh, even just laughing at myself right now, because I just said that uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers had the biggest quarterback controversy uh, of the offseason, and I completely <laughs> forgot about the absolute atrocity that sits in, in Cleveland, and that's that's all I'll say about that. I'll let you have your moment in the sun here. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> I don't know if I want this moment. Like I said, I picked Cleveland thinking that it was going to be kind of cut and dry, and then after we picked teams, I sat down, I started putting my stuff in, and I go, wait a minute, this is a team that doesn't have a quarterback. And then as I started to do it, I go, well, maybe maybe they'll mend with Baker. Well, now Baker's out the door. We don't know what's going on. with As of this recording right now, we don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. When we release this, we might, and this will change a little bit here. So this is going to be um, – <laughs> kind of fun to do for me and uh you guys may think you know i'm out of my mind but uh i have to put you are out of your mind sir i have to put my stud and my dud together so it's nick chubb and kareem hunt because here's my here's my here's my theory in my head and here's what i got down if deshaun watson plays that offense is going to be able to hang points Nick Chubb is going to be perfectly fine at his ADP. If Nick Chubb, or not Nick Chubb, if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for more than four games, you're going to see that team probably playing from behind quite a bit. So Nick Chubb's ADP, he's not going to live up to that first round ADP. I mean, I, I think I did. I, I think he's late first, early second round ADP. 
in in most startups, uh, single quarterback startups. And I just don't see him living up to that because I see Kareem Hunt getting on the field more if they have to spread that ball out and pass it more. Now, Nick Chubb is a perfectly fine pass catching back too. But when they get down in those situations, you see Kareem Hunt coming out more more often when they're in the hurry up offense because Nick Chubb is a bit is is a bigger back, so you know he gets worn out a little quicker. So you see Kareem Hunt out. So if they're in that hurry up, they're in that we got to go, we got to go, we got to score, we got to score because we can't stop anybody in this high powered um, division. <laughs> I know high powered because I mean you got Cincinnati and Baltimore coming back healthy. They they're able to hang some points, and we don't know really what Pittsburgh is going to put out, but. That, that's Brand, really hard I, I got, for me. I, I, I got a quick question for you here. Does the Browns' offense with Amari Cooper and Jacoby Brissett look that much worse than it did with Baker Mayfield and OBJ and Jarvis Landry? Yes, because if you think about it, Baker Mayfield did a pretty good job all the way up until last year. He got Cleveland into the playoffs. He did a pretty good job with managing the game. Now, fantasy-wise, no, it's not going to look a whole lot of difference. But when it comes down to the style of play that Cleveland has where they want to pound the ball, Baker was a good set for that because he he, he did just fine managing the game up until his injury-riddled season last year. And uh, Jacoby Brissett is just one of those guys that um, he's a career – uh, he's a career journeyman as a backup. I don't think he's really ever, you know, he's not he's not set to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's not set to be fantasy he's relevant. Shown flashes. I mean, absolutely he had flashes there in, in New England, which encouraged teams to trade for him. Uh, you know, he did okay after Andrew Luck stepped down. You know, a lot of people really thought he was going to go into Miami last year and challenge Tua for that starting job, uh, which obviously never materialized. Uh, I, but I just I just wonder if. You know, Kevin Stefanski leans on the run the way he has in years past. If maybe that offense looks similar as far as uh, maybe being able to put up those 20 ish points per game with a guy like Jacoby Brissett. Uh, you know, I'm not saying Jacoby Brissett's Baker Mayfield. I'm not, not saying, you know, whatever their games are similar or anything else. But I'm thinking with a run game as good as they have and a defense as good as they have, I'm, I'm questioning whether or not maybe, um, you know, Nick Chubb can. Because even with Baker under center, I imagine last year I'd have to go back and watch more Browns games than I had. Uh, but I imagine a lot of teams were stacking the box against that run anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just wonder if that would just be similar and, and maybe we'd still see it work out. But, uh, you know, you've done more research on the Browns than I have to this point. So Yeah, I just uh, – just just kind of at the – kind of at the ADP, I didn't know where to put – who to put as my stud and who to put as my dud. Because, you you know, you look at Kareem Hunt, he's going, I don't have it pulled up right now, but he's going later. He's obviously going later than um, than um, Nick Chubb. Chubb's going in the first round, and Kareem Hunt is, is, is definitely later in the draft, getting, getting drafted. Hang on, I'm pulling it up real fast. Kareem Hunt's being drafted as the 93rd overall player. So, in that offense, I think, I think both – Running backs with Jacoby Brissett under center, I think both running backs could have a very good shot as finishing as RB twos. Well, you're drafting Nick Chubb as an RB one, and I just don't know if he can sustain that without the because like like you said, they're going to stack the box against the run. They are because they're not they don't have any real threats to be a pass catcher 
with Jacoby Brissett. But with Deshaun Watson, you got to worry about Watson scrambling. You got to worry about Watson throwing the ball. We've watched Watson sustain multiple wide receivers as fantasy relevant wide receivers, and none of them are real huge names besides Hopkins. I mean, you got Will Fuller. Yeah, he's a big name, but I mean, really, what what did what did Fuller do when he wasn't on PEDs? I mean, he had a few good games, and then was hurt all the time, and then. Watson was able to hang in most games with the Texans. Yeah. I just want to bring up a, a one one little thing here, and I and I'll I'll uh, again digress and, and let you finish your team because I feel like I'm I'm interrupting you quite a bit here. But uh, well, I absolutely uh, figured you May- would. <laughs> <laughs> Baker Mayfield last year had his worst year in his career uh, to the tune of 17 touchdowns. Mm-hmm and 13 interceptions okay uh and that was that was just last year and jacoby Brissett in his best year in 2015 which again is was with the indianapolis colts not with at post andrew luck not um not with the browns obviously uh but he that year had 18 touchdowns to only six interceptions um and actually added another four ru- rushing touchdowns in that year so again um Yes, Jacoby Brissett's not been the guy to have to have a lot of chances, but uh, I think the Browns could have a worse situation for for you know Deshaun Watson's replacement than uh, Jacoby Brissett if it does come to that. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to bring me into my breakout, and and my breakout is is a pass catcher there for um, uh, Cleveland, and I know his name has been out there. We've said this, you know, years years and years. It feels like and. David Njoku, we, we always talk about how a young quarterback or, or a backup always wants to lean on their tight end. David Njoku is going, going in the 13th round, and you and me both kind of preach that if we don't get one of those top three tight ends in, in your pits, your Kittle, your, your Kelsey's, you're kind of waiting until the perfect one falls in your lap. And you know me, I'll sit there and I'll wait pretty much all day and I absolutely, you know, will wait until Njoku comes through in the 13th round and take a, take a stab because, yeah, he's got to go one year with with um, with the possibility of the suspension of, of Watson and everything else up in the air. But years after that, the sky's really the limit with that. And, I mean, Njoku, Njoku's spot at the 13th round is a guy that I'm willing to throw a dart at. Yeah, Brant, you know um... – David Njoku got the bag this offseason. So somebody in Cleveland believes in David Njoku. uh, And we've seen it in the past, like you kind of alluded to, where it's this David Njoku breakout. He explodes for like the best tight end week of 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 the week, or the best tight end spot of the week. And everybody rushes to the waivers and picks him up and goes, it's finally happening. It's finally David Njoku. And then he does nothing for the next three or four weeks. Everybody drops him back to waivers. And then he does it again, and it's a rush back, and it's it's just not been a fun game. And then Austin Hooper came to town, and, you know, he's had the issues with staying healthy. And I, I, I just don't, I think you're absolutely right. You know, if, if, it's, if it's Deshaun Watson, I absolutely want David Njoku, right? Because it's in that offense, it's Amari Cooper and then a lot of unproven. And David Njoku is a guy that Deshaun Watson could come in and go, that's my number two right there because David Njoku is a tight end, but he's also built like a wide receiver. He's quick. He's explosive. It's a guy that I could see Deshaun Watson really um, getting in tune with. 
And if I'm doing a dynasty startup draft and I do punt on the tight end position and I wait and I can get a guy in David Njoku who, yeah, maybe it's not the sexiest thing this year if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, but there's a chance I'm getting Deshaun Watson back either later this year, uh, potentially, or maybe next. And that's just something I'm willing, I'm willing to uh, buy in on, right? And so for that reason, I couldn't agree more with uh, David Njoku as your, as your, as your sleeper. Absolutely. Breakout. My sleeper. Breakout. Yes. Okay. It's all good. It's all good. My sleeper is Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's getting all this work in this offseason where Watson is still at practice at mini camp and training, training camp and all that. Watson's there. He's practicing with the ones. And, yes, Peoples-Jones is out there with the ones as the number three target, I believe, behind David Bell. Um but this this guy here, he's twenty three years old. He's six foot two, two hundred and four pounds, and he's going in. He's going into his second year, and yes, he gets you know, uh, Jacoby Brissett possibly this year, but he's getting work with Jacoby right now on the second team. He's running as the number one on the second team. He's going to run in as the number three on the, excuse me, on the on the first team with Brissett and in, in what what you could possibly be seeing as an offense that has to play from behind quite a bit. Um, like I say, he's 23 years old. This guy, this guy is is a guy that reminds me a lot of uh, the Will Fuller um, type type wide receiver, where he he can jump up and get it with his height. He he has no problem burning people down the field. And, and you're telling me that I get a 23 year old getting linked up with Deshaun Watson, maybe not this year, but next year. Absolutely. I, I mean, he's going in. Um, He's going in the 14th round as as the 175th overall player. Absolutely, give me give me this guy as a dart throw, just sitting on the end of my bench, biting at the bit to become an, a weekly flex start. And who knows, maybe if if he can stay healthy and and prove that he is the Cleveland's version of Will Fuller with Deshaun Watson, this guy could in, almost instantly be a wide receiver too in 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 most leagues. Yeah, I mean. It- Peoples Jones is a is a guy that um, you know maybe maybe was a little I can't say even over say or say overhyped because he really wasn't overhyped um, but I know a lot of people were excited about him uh, last year uh, and again we didn't really get to see a whole lot but just again it, it all falls back to the the Deshaun thing if Deshaun Watson uh, plays this year or you know, doesn't get suspended indefinitely. All these pass catchers in um, Cleveland uh, that you take later in drafts, whether it's, you know, David Bell or David Njoku or uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is guys that could become league winners towards the end of the season if Deshaun Watson treats them or does things with them that he was able to do with Will Fuller opposite of, DeAndre Hopkins when Will Fuller was able to be healthy back then, you know. Uh, so it, it's a it's a situation that uh, if you if you draft these guys in dynasty startups or um, you know it, you know they're sitting on your waiver wire or whatever else and you're and you're contemplating it, it's got to be something that you're willing to draft and hold or, or pick up and hold until we see what happens with Deshaun Watson uh, because again this offense is going to look you know vastly different than what it does without Deshaun Watson. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and, and, and really, really, this is kind of a possible write-off year for the Cleveland Browns. So a lot of their players, you may have to 
sit back and, and, and wait on until, unfortunately, the NFL seems to be dragging their feet a little bit with the suspension, and, and, and that, that kind of puts a damper on our, our fantasy out our fantasy takes about this team, but it's one of those things you just got to deal with. But in a dynasty league, these a lot of the, a lot of these players on this team are guys that you're able to steal right now. And it and if if your draft is after the suspensions finally you know inputted, a lot of these guys are going to slide, and and some of these names you'll be able to steal extremely late because nobody's going to want them for the first year. Well, dynasty is all about prepping for the future and. Cleveland stacked up with Deshaun Watson to have a future, and 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 hopefully, hopefully he doesn't miss more than a year, and we actually get to see some of these players, you know, out there with a quarterback like that. Sure, sure, absolutely. The, it, Brian, I think uh, I speak for both of us when I say the AFC South was or North, excuse me, the AFC North was a little bit more fun to break down the uh, NFC South. Am I, am I right? Absolutely. The NFC South was kind of almost cut and dry. <laughs> yeah, it was It was very uh, very easy to pick all the players at the spots, and uh, it was it was very predictable. Uh, this has definitely been a lot more fun, and I, I expect them to just uh, continue week in and week out. So Absolutely, and, and that, that kind of concludes our episode for the AFC North. Uh, we're, we're ready to be back in person next week um, after you get back from your beautiful vacation. Enjoy your time, and as always, stay hungry and stay fat, my friends.